0: On page 785 of your Pew Bibles, you will find Habakkuk. Let me ask you to turn to that. And while you're turning to that, I want to point your attention to a, another page number, and that is page 9 in our worship guide, where you see that this week's mission focus is that uh, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Uh, We are in the minority here in the United States of America in terms of uh, Christians throughout the world. uh, In many, many places, uh, they are suffering for the faith. They do not have the opportunity to gather openly like we do. Uh, When they gather, there is the possibility that uh, there will be arrests, imprisonments, or death. Uh, On page 9, you see just four examples, uh, and that's all they are throughout our world today. There are those that are suffering for the faith. And so as we begin, before we go to God's Word, I want us to pray for our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ around the world. Let's bow together. Lord, we... We thank you for the freedom that we have. I didn't think a thing of it. Getting up today and driving in here and and gathering. I, I wasn't worried that that someone would burst into our service to arrest us or to shut it down. I thank you for that. We don't deserve this. This is merely by your providence that we are here in this country at this time. But we know that around the world, in the majority of other countries, there are individuals and sometimes whole groups of believers, of those who uh, would follow Christ, who are being persecuted. And so, Lord, today we pray for those brothers and sisters. We pray that you would protect them, that you would protect them especially from the evil one. We pray that you would strengthen their faith in their difficult times. And so, Lord, we pray for those who are being persecuted and Lord, we pray for the persecutors. Both need Christ. They need you in different ways, but that's the answer. And so, Lord, while we praise you and thank you for our freedoms, will you prompt us not just on this day, but in the days to come to often think of brothers and sisters and to pray for them. As we know that someday we will be enjoying uh, your presence together with them. We pray for all of this, even as we ask you to open your word to us. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. George MacDonald, a writer, Theologian, pastor's heart said this A man may be haunted with doubts and only grow thereby in faith. Doubts are the messengers of the living one, that's God, to rouse the honest. They are the first knock at our door of things that are not yet but have to be understood. Doubt must precede every deeper assurance. And so let me encourage you today, if you have come here and you have doubts, you are what MacDonald would call uh, the honest. Because the fact is, I'm convinced that all believers at some point struggle with that. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. And sometimes it is just an evidence that your faith is genuine and you're just honest enough to wrestle with these things. Now let's think of that in terms of this book we've been going through in in Habakkuk. I want to remind you where we've been since we took a week out last week to focus on the the Reformation. This is uh, a unique prophetic book. Unique in this way. God didn't just give Habakkuk a message for him to uh, dictate, to uh, warn his people. That wasn't the sole purpose of this, though. It falls into that category. But what we have instead is we have a a record of Habakkuk grappling with God and he's he's grappling with him and verbally stating questions that many people down through the centuries have had in fact i'm convinced that's why this book is recorded we're going to see that in a minute we see him starting out this book by by crying out to god how long and why And his question had to do with, how long are you going to let your people act the way they do without correcting them, without, if necessary, punishing them? God hears him. He could have slapped him down at that moment and said, who are you to ask me anything? But instead, he answers him. And he says, you know, here's, here's the fact. I'm not standing idly by like you think I am. In fact, what I'm going to do is I am going to deal with this violence that's going on among God's people. Here's what I'm going to do about it. And then he proceeds to give an answer that Habakkuk didn't want to hear. He said, I'm going to... Uh, raise up this group of people, the Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians. I'm going to raise them up, and they are going to come sweeping through. And by the way, it's already too late if you're thinking of running, because they will come so quickly. There will be no running away. And they are going to sweep through, sweep through your neighbors, and then uh, over you, and there uh, there will be a captivity. I will deal with that violence. I'll do it in my way. Wasn't what Habakkuk wanted to hear. And so Habakkuk, for some reason, has the courage or whatever it is to confront God again and basically say, well, what do you think you're doing? You you are of purer eyes than to see evil. You can't look at wrong. And he pulls out his good theology, and he was a good theologian, about who God is. He pulls that out, says, God, I know this about you. So what I'm seeing in the world doesn't make sense with who you are. I don't get it. And then almost at least I picture it as being rather suddenly he just kind of Habakkuk just kind of stops and stops questioning and he says this in chapter 2 verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning uh, my complaint. So he basically goes to this tower, and uh, those kinds of towers were either built in a field to watch over the field and and protect it and look at the crops and that kind of thing, or or they would be on the city wall where there would be ramparts, so to speak, and uh, the tower would be to watch for the enemy. And so basically, instead of being in the middle of everything and maybe hearing people from all sides and so on, he says, okay, I'm going to the tower. And most commentators think that at this point, Habakkuk was waiting for a major rebuke from God. He knew he had said a lot. And they think that he was just kind of bracing himself. Okay, I'm going to the tower and watch and wait and see what he says. This is what the Lord says in Habakkuk 2 beginning with verse 2. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul's puffed up. It's not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Recognize that last verse? Well, you recognize it because that's what we were celebrating last week. The impact that that verse and the places in the New Testament where it was quoted had upon Martin Luther and caused him to see, this isn't about my works, this is about faith. And to, to see that, that radical but absolutely consistent message that had come all the way through the Scripture. And so we see him giving this uh, vision to Habakkuk. Look at verse 2. The Lord answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. Now, we're, what I'm going to do today, sometimes we kind of wait and give you applications at the end. I'm going to give you two points and three applications, and uh, and then we're going to go to the Lord's table. Uh, so we're going to do the applications kind of as we go, but that's where I want to start, actually, with the first application, and and that is that God answers Habakkuk again. Now, some of you have been asking uh, about uh, the conversation. You've been asking in your community groups, and the questions got back to me. I'm glad, always glad to hear what kinds of questions uh, folks are having in their community group. Whether early on uh, in, in the first chapter, was this a verbal conversation between God and Habakkuk? Well, I think it was, actually. Uh, you know, the, it's, it's specifically recorded, which God can do without a verbal conversation. But we don't have any indication that it is anything other than that. But I also want to caution you, lest you think, oh, good, okay, well, then when I talk to God, I can expect to hear something verbally back from him. Uh, he was one of the prophets, Habakkuk was. And so uh, he's, in a, he's in a different category than I am or you are. And remember this, God's revelation was still being poured out at this point. But it's not anymore. God has already told us all that we need to know for faith and for life. And so, yes, I think it was a a verbal conversation with God, but it's about to shift right here as uh, he talks about a vision. He calls it a a vision that he is to record. But I I want us to just, first of all, be amazed that uh, God is so patient with Habakkuk. And if anything, well, let me say this. It encourages me, I hope it encourages you, to see how uh, patiently he answers Habakkuk's questions that to some would sound disrespectful. And yet, I don't, I don't believe Habakkuk meant it disrespectfully because we see he's a man of faith. But he was just being as honest as he could be, saying, I, I don't get this. Here's what I don't get. And, and God records graciously his answers. And so let's look at, at this vision. He says... Uh, tells Habakkuk to make it plain on tablets. What's that remind you of? Ten Commandments, doesn't it? Yeah. You want <clears throat> to record something and keep it forever? Well, they got broken and then uh, anyway, but you keep it forever? That's the idea here, is that he's saying, this, this isn't just Habakkuk, you and me, anymore anymore. I want to make sure your people hear all of this, and I want to make sure that people in Columbia, South Carolina, in 2017 hear this also. You get it? He he wanted his people down through all of these centuries and in the ones to come until Jesus comes. He wanted us all to hear these kinds of questions and how God dealt with them. And, and he wanted them preserved. So what did he want preserved? Well, look at verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed times. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. I thought we invented that phrase. Wait for it. But Habakkuk, I mean, I mean, God said it way long ago. Anyway, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Do you see what he's talking about? He's talking about his timing, God's timing. And and here's what we need to know from this the vision that he is told of has not come to pass yet for them, but it will come to pass. And God is saying, it will come at the right time. In other words, he's saying, when I act, it's not going to be a moment too late or a moment too soon. Now, I really need to be reminded of that. Because from my perspective... God is late all the time. He's seldom quick enough for me. And here's our reminder. It'll be at just the right time. Now understand this too, that, that history is not cyclical. Some people teach that, that it's, a, it's just a big cycle where we just meaninglessly keep repeating the same thing over and over. History is not Groundhog Day, the movie, okay, where he hits the alarm, Sonny and Cher come on, and and if you've never seen Groundhog Day, I know that's a mysterious thing for me to say in the middle of my sermon. But it's not just it goes over and over and over the same thing and you can make little tweaks in it and so on. History, scripturally, biblically, with God in control, is linear. It's moving from one place to the other. It's got a goal, and the goal is the kingdom of God. So here's the general flow of history. Creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Let me... Let me go back over that, because my community group will rebuke me if I don't repeat it. Creation, you understand creation, and then the fall, and then the promise of redemption and all of the rest of Scripture is moving toward that promise of redemption and the cross. And that changes everything. So all of the Old Testament up to uh, is pointing toward redemption at the cross. But then there is something beyond that, and that's, that's consummation, or the, the new creation. And that's when Jesus comes back again, when He makes all things new, and when redemption is finally and fully fulfilled. So we, we've talked about in an earlier sermon here in Habakkuk the, how uh, you, you had the crucifixion of Jesus on Friday and at that moment it looked like he had lost and all was lost. And then on the next day, on Saturday, it was a dark day because it seemed like that, that uh, he had failed in what he came to do. And then, then there was Sunday when he burst out of the tomb And at that point, you could see he didn't fail. This was his plan. But the problem is, we're living on Saturday. That's where we are right now. And it can sometimes feel very dark. It can feel like he's not on the throne or he's not in control. And that's why we've we've got to look at these promises that are ahead, and what is coming. That will help us persevere, to know that the story's not over today. This isn't the end of the story. That the promises are not going to be fulfilled today, but they will be fulfilled, and it'll be at just the right time. If it seems slow, he says, wait for it, it will surely come. It will not delay. You know, we are in such an instant society. Um, you stand in front of a Keurig coffee maker going, this is taking forever. Or the microwave. This week, early in the week, I was, I was sitting uh, and trying to watch TV and my remote, because I figured out later the battery was, was down, it was going so slow. It was like, this is taking forever. <laughs> and so, you know, I could have gotten up and gone up to the TV and changed the channel and <laughs> come back, but I don't really know how to do that on my TV. <laughs> So I had to persevere, but it, 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 it's just such a reminder of how impatient I am. But I think there may be a few more of me out there as well. And so he says, if it seems slow, meaning me fulfilling my promise, wait for it. It will surely come. And he's saying that so we'll be encouraged. It's coming. Second application, God's plan is going somewhere and his timing is always right. We've got to know that. We, Being as impatient as we are, we need to know. When he says... It will not delay. It doesn't mean it it isn't put off, but it means it won't delay beyond when it should be here. It'll come at just the right time. And then the second thing we see here is about life by faith. There's a sense of even uh, Habakkuk's response showing some pride Uh, Back in the first chapter in verse 13, he says this in in the the last part. He said, why do you look idly at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Now here's what he's saying, because I know that, that I pulled that right out of context. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, what are you doing here? I know, I know our people were bad and I was complaining about them, but these people that you're using, the Babylonians, are worse than us. Now God here is addressing that kind of an attitude, that being puffed up by him implying that they are worse than his people. See, here's the problem. We never get anywhere in terms of faith. We never get anywhere in terms of a relationship with God if we're looking at, at other people and comparing ourselves to them. Because you can always find somebody more sorry than you are. You might have to look, but you can. And God is addressing that and basically saying, you don't look at them. You were so upset about the behavior of your people And now you're acting like there was some good in them. And so he says this, the righteous shall live by his faith. We've been focusing on that, you know, last week with Paul and with Luther and so on. I'm convinced that God is indicating that the opposite of being puffed up and prideful is to live and to walk by faith. Walking by our works or by sight causes us to be prideful. Habakkuk was called to look forward and put faith in one who would come 600 years later, Jesus Christ. We have that great advantage of looking back on what he has done. That's what we're celebrating here today. So that's our third application. That is that living by faith is the only option for God's people. I've told you of the most visible places that Habakkuk 2.4 is quoted. Uh, We talked about this last week, Romans and Galatians. There is another place it's quoted. In Hebrews 10, verse 35, it says this, "'Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward,' For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Stay with me. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. Sound familiar? But my righteous one shall live by faith. So here's here's what we have. That's from Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, I'm not patronizing you, but Hebrews 10 is right before Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter or the hall of fame of faith. And it talks about what it looks like to walk by faith. But here's what we need to know about faith. Faith is only meaningful right now you know, as we live on Saturday. Because once Jesus comes again, we, we won't be walking by faith. We'll be walking by sight. We will see him as he is. So walking by faith is a now thing. And James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So, as as we walk by faith, here's what will happen when the trial comes. It will either prove that your faith is not really there, or it will strengthen it ultimately. Ultimately. Now, none of us us wants to go through those trials. But sometimes when people face trials, they run from God and they don't have any interest in God and so on. And and it just shows there, there really wasn't faith there in the beginning. But then there's the other side when those trials come. And you need faith just to take your next breath, much less make it through the rest of your life. And that's what he's calling us to do. Faith can lift us into the unseen, into the arms of the one who made the promises, who right now is unseen, but one day will be our sight. You may say, well, but today my faith is weak. It's small. Our gracious God has addressed that. And he said, I know you need to see something. And that's what this table is. It is a reminder of that which we have seen. The physical body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ given for us. And so this table enables us to look back, but it also enables us to look forward to when his kingdom will come and we will sit with him at the meal.